0: Welcome to the Architects of Ambition, the podcast where dreams take shape and futures are built. I'm Lyndon Dover, your guide on this journey of discovery and design, brought to you by Weaver, the online platform that's connecting contractors with the visionaries of architecture. Every episode, we delve into the minds of those who dare to imagine and create the spaces we live, work and play in. Let's get started. Hi, Ben. Thanks very much for joining us today. It's really great to have you on the show.
1: Good morning, Lyndon. Nice to see you.
0: Yeah, you too, brilliant. Well, look, we're discussing how small practices like yours are directing the UK's residential architecture. So, diving straight in to your practice, tell us a bit more about, you know, where you're based and and you know what projects you're typically working on.
1: We're based in East London. Most of our work is based also in London, but we have a couple of anomalies to that whereby we've worked in rural settings outside of London as well. So, A rich variety, I'm very fortunate to be doing that. I think that we're interested in making work that's informed by a study of the place and the people. So wherever we find ourselves working, we address our design process to being very specific to the project. A bit about me, I think I studied in Liverpool and Westminster. I then went to work for a large critically acclaimed practice for 10 years and established my own studio
0: two years ago fantastic and you also yeah. have a connection with University, yeah. isn't I, that
1: universities right? that's right i set that relationship up almost immediately when i established the studio i think that practice and teaching for me there is a mutually beneficial relationship and i would go as far as to say for me an essential relationship there is not one-way traffic between either or. I find that for me, the dialogue that happens in the teaching studio informs the practice and the practice on a daily basis within the studio informs the way that I want to um, equip and converse with my students. I'm not interested in navel gazing in either scenario. I'm not interested in self-indulgence. I want this to be both a real education and um, a real learning episode for my students, but I also want my practice to be innovative and also critically engaged with the culture of architecture. So those two for me were sort of essential as um, as a relationship when, when setting up a studio.
0: That's great, and that that brings me on to sort of how you ended up forming your own studio. Like, what attracted you to to, to getting out of the, the bigger practice and starting your own, to taking a leap and 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 getting going with your own practice.
1: You're right about taking a leap, um, but for me, I, I think that I I'm particularly interested in people, both in terms of clients, but also in terms of collaborators and. Enjoying those relationships, those critical relationships, but also those empathetic relationships. And I think that through establishing the studio, it was it was a vehicle for enhancing those that that way of working and shaping the studio in response to this um, is really important to me, you know, but also over that career of learning and practicing whilst working for others' direction, Um, I developed my own position regarding place, history, ecology, and inclusivity. And I feel that um, those things could only be implemented if I held the reins, so to speak. After a certain time, there was an exhaustion of um, other people's values, perhaps, that I didn't feel... Were necessarily um, challenging the status quo enough, and that's not to say that the intentions and the ambitions weren't in the right direction. But one one forges your own position, and you eventually want to um, you want to test that position, and you want to see who will come along for the ride.
0: And uh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, it's um, as going back to the leap of faith. Though it's also it's all on you. Suddenly, you've got to to make it happen. Do you work with Others, do you have collaborators, or is it just yourself, Ben, um keeping yourself to account and and getting things done?
1: The best way to answer that is to um probably a little bit of further detail on that episode of of setting up the studio, whereby I I was kind of when I left, there was a question about from particularly my my former director who is a friend of mine, and I value their friendship really um, you know, really importantly. And they they asked me, you know. Tell me the business plan, tell me the idea, and then I can help. And I sort of fronted up to it and said that there there really isn't a business plan. The, The business plan is not to have one. The idea is to be driven by the work and the people that naturally come from a following those values that I spoke about before following your nose, but, but also, um, being nice and opening conversations being kind, sharing, welcoming others' opinion, and then this idea of a sort of top-down business plan becomes slightly redundant and, and almost unhelpful. I find that being um, more nimble and looking on a realistically a sort of month-to-month basis, what this thing is becoming is much more interesting. Um, therefore, to answer your question, At this time, I work with um, collaborators within the studio on the work that we produce, so typically that arrangement is freelance workers, where on a project-by-project basis, um, I bring in people who are either going to be critical friends or perhaps have a certain technical knowledge for a project. And then also surrounding yourself with great people in other disciplines, engineers. Um, I have really wonderful friends um, within the field of engineering who I work with, and you know, furthering that conversation with people like you guys and uh, establishing platforms for for sharing knowledge, but also you know, you're not just a conduit; it's also the relationship with you guys as well, and having discourse um, about the culture of architecture, the practice of architecture. Like I said before, trying to be kind, nice, open-minded, um, it, it, it sort of carries the business into organically what it should be.
0: It's a really refreshing approach, Bren. And um nice I don't know.
1: To... <laughs> I'm i only sure I'm, I'm
0: past you. <laughs> not all about the hard cold cash or your next award uh, that you might see on, on the wall. Um, but no, yeah, really interesting. And um it's it, a yeah, good segue into um how you see smaller practices like yourself really um shaping the way that we live today. So how do you see the role of a small architect like yourself doing that? You know, how do you see them shaping the way that, that that people live in their homes?
1: For me, the only way to answer this is in the context of one of the pressing concerns in both architectural practice, but also in society, which is the climate crisis. It is something that um, is no longer a kind of um, something knocking at the door, asking to grab our attention. It's barged the door down. And... We're sat here in October with temperatures of not today, but sat here with yeah. 25 degrees. Um, it, it's barred the door down. We we it's now no longer the kind of elephant in the room. It's it's trampling the room. Um, in the United Kingdom, we have a major issue with poorly constructed or AG housing stock. And smaller practices are those that are appointed to address these issues for homeowners. They're not the behemoth practices that. Produce the new um, efficient and well-built housing stock. We have a retrofit crisis, Um, and you know the to address those performance issues and to take it seriously and to bring it to the fore in our conversations with domestic clients. Playing devil's advocate with a client who simply wants more space, or for for a growing family, or a better relationship with their garden, and to talk to them about the value of not just Doing their part for a global crisis, but also the value add to them. You know the the notion of um, capital spend spending for long term savings, the value of knowing that your children's air quality that they're breathing is enhanced inside your home, Uh, the materials that one specifies are not toxic to your offspring and your animals. It's it's. It's something that small practices are going to be the ones to provide the action for and through critical thought, um, acting as an educator to your clients as well, having difficult conversations that will lose you work, um, you know, finding um, allies in this, um, both in terms of clients, but also as a collective. So smaller practices are going to be the ones to make a real difference through a number of small actions, which is kind of interesting.
0: Yeah. And on that point, Nick, how do you how do you think small practices can be braver and uh, be encouraged to engage that forward thinking, sustainable design as opposed to just merely emulating existing styles or, you know, going down a route which um, uh, is easy to explain budget wise or not taking a risk on materials that might um, actually have different performance? How would you how would you go about you know giving them advice?
1: Well, serendipitously we're probably the ones blessed with the the skill sets and the characteristics if you like of the business small is nimble it's flexible it's innovative it ensures a focus on quality rather than cash flow and quantity um, these things are a concern but you know smaller means less overheads and uh, the conversation about risk is an interesting one therefore as well risk to um, to the survival of the business I think that um, a unified direction is a really sort of troublesome thing for small practices because it is lots of disparate entities. Um, but, you know, I mean, look at the reason I established a studio was to test my own ideas and values. And I think that um, it, it, the key thing is to promote the capacity of a diverse group of architects to establish their own studio, but also then pull together and a diverse, empathetic group of friends or or colleagues, um, you know, sharing knowledge and um, informally, perhaps as well, you know, getting together, and th- this this will be vital to the well-being of society and the planet. Uh, to answer your question, um, it, it, it's it's um, it's crucial that, that therefore this diverse and disparate collective is given the opportunity to come together and sort of um, share in that diverse knowledge, and and then enhancing so there's capacity um, to to make to make change
0: because traditionally architects especially small ones just by the sheer fact of everything you've got to do all the hats you've got to wear sometimes you can be quite siloed because you're spending a lot of time with the consultants you mentioned earlier or with the clients trying to receive their brief and action it do you think greater innovation can come from shared knowledge with other practices i think you're saying that but how do you practically make that happen? I've seen WhatsApp groups. um, I've seen sort of um, lots of different types of meetups, but how do you keep that going? How do you keep that energy going? What's your recommendation for small practices today to keep that?
1: Yeah. I mean, the useful bit about this is that we need that for our own well-being as well. Mm. Um, You know, I said that you're right, siloed is a good way of thinking about the outcome of establishing your own studio if you don't work hard to address that. Um, And I'm fortunate that I have that group, but I'm always sort of looking to extend that that conversation further. And I think that is this question about technology and a question about digital platforms. There's always going to be a need to meet in the pub and shoot through Issues that you're having, um, informally, as I've said before, double double-handed thing about your own well-being, but also, um, you know, the the furthering of your capacity to do to make change. Um, whereas once upon a time I sat in a room with 400 people and there was 399 that I could just go and tap on the shoulder of the right person. What I'm aiming to do is organically establish the same sort of thing, but to tap on the shoulder digitally. And um this uh this platform, this shared space, this um common room, this town hall. You know, there are there are there are unions, there are organizations, there are institutes that do this, but they're quite, you know, they're they're also BMOx and dinosaurs as well. And they're not nimble in the way that perhaps we want our network and our town hall to be. Um I don't have an answer, but I certainly know how to write the brief I think, and that's kind of um the flip side to being an architect with decline maybe I'm a better brief writer for this of um yeah i am not sure if that answers your question, but it's it's probably what comes to my mind
0: no absolutely I think um you've raised the the issue and it's uh, you definitely have briefed you know what potentially you could do in an outline, but it's actually making that that happen and um Who's going to drive it? I suppose it's quite interesting. You say meeting in the pub for for critiques or for for um, you know going through problems. Like, what else do you do? Like, is it all is it on the phone? Do you um, meet up regularly with people to actually critique your work? I know that you also uh, use your connections at Loughborough to get people to actually give you proposals on work as well, to um, as a way of learning and also teaching. Like, what other ways do you go out there amongst your community today and, and try and get what what I suppose we're talking about, which is shared learning and collaborative design strategies? That's what we're trying to think about here.
1: That's right. And the first thing that I would say, I can talk about teaching and getting the, um, the education community and being a practitioner in that community of perhaps academics. That's interesting, both positively and in a in a challenging way um but also for me it's about the physical room that i psych myself in most of the time and this is a kind of i I find this a kind of interesting thing because it it, because it's something i've addressed in in the last um 12 months where i knew that it would be really easy to talk to architects i sort of know that my conversations with architects through happenstance serendipity being arriving at talks lectures um events uh it, it's gonna happen i have little doubt because one helps your approachable and and see and nice and like i said before i keep saying it but it's true um there's enough um how to insert expletive here in the architectural conversation um so but for me the most important thing was then okay fine but there's this thing about meeting other people with other interests and so i I said to myself okay how do i resolve this and i cited myself um in a room that is essentially i I i think there is one other architect in a community of entrepreneurs and um and startups in a shared workspace there was offers to kind of share studios with other architects There was really kind kind of um you know we'll, set, we'll establish community but again quite self-indulgent perhaps in terms of um that sort of perfect scenario and then i had a conversation with a friend about long term he's, he's a graphic designer he's a very very successful um, graphic designer and we talked about this cross-pollination long term of you know, extending the, our, our daily conversations, introducing our clients to other conversations, being surrounded by the flotsam and the detritus of other conversations in, in the studio. So long term, there's a kind of vision of where this might go as well to avoid the kind of navel-gazing. But right now, I find it really interesting that this morning I I have my cup of coffee with, um, with the the startup co-libbing um, team adjacent. And then the guy who sits next to me is a garden designer. Um, the the woman who sits next to me on the other side is a fashion designer. I really get a lot of vitamins from that, and they have their values, they have their concerns that broaden my horizons. They stretch my edges, they frame my edges, and say, oh, we, you know, these guys are grappling to other issues um, on different timescales, on on different global crises. Um, but in the end, there's also an energy in the room about being gay, um, having capacity to solve clients' problems or to, um, to survive. And these things are, are shared energy, but the details are different. And I find that really, um, I find that really energizing.
0: That sounds really energizing and enriching to have those disparate types of entrepreneurs and companies and design orientated companies around you, I suppose. You get that from working in a co-working space of the quality where you are at Second Life. Um, I suppose that's also maybe a nugget for other architects uh, to get out of their bedrooms. Well, um, this,
1: well this is interesting though because um, you know I'm always conscious of understanding others' wants and needs, and and I'm thinking to myself that's that's my position. I've established that, and I've changed my environment accordingly. Hmm. But others will, of course, have their there, there needs to be, whether it's focus, whether it's engaging in architectural discourse all the time because of maintaining that focus, it could be the bedroom. You know, it's about understanding who you are and understanding um, how to respond to that and to establish a place of well being, constructive um, re- relationships with others, constructive um, time with family. These things are very real concerns for small practices and getting that balance. You know, I, I, my child's nursery is next door. My home is then spitting distance the other side. It's, it's being really careful about how to put yourself in a strong position to work at your best and to have the longevity of this being a career for 35, 40 years and making sure you're looking after yourself and those around you. So that it's not just burning out after a couple of years and um, wasting perhaps some momentum. I don't know.
0: No, it's it's really interesting, and it, it what I get from speaking to you and having met you a few times now, Ben. It's sort of a real self um, self um, purpose. You're like you know who you are and what you want, and that reflects, I think, really. You know, it does reflect in the values that you hold and and what you're trying to do with your business. So, um, so yeah, it's impressive.
1: Um, well, again, I. Sorry, I, I find that really interesting because it's conversations like this with friends and collaborators that allow you to understand what it is that you're doing because you sit inside your own head and sort of flirt around the subject perhaps, but then every now and then you'll have a piece of constructive dialogue where you go, oh, maybe something's emerging by way of um, a useful thing or don't know. Um, the key thing is not to get, um, not to get too confident, I think.
0: <laughs> yeah, true. Well, yeah, I suppose one of my last questions before we maybe go on to your advice for budding architects would be, um, I think we've touched on retrofitting already is a huge topic that needs to be tackled um, and the elephant in the room, but h- how do you see the future of residential architecture evolving, considering the major role that small practices have to play?
1: Yeah, I mean, the artful retrofit, the, um, you know, the, at the moment we're kind of firefighting a crisis and well no the tide has changed i think that smaller practices are leading an artful retrofit revolution whereby we are looking towards natural materials and we are looking towards low energy homes in a way that is no longer just quickly putting out the flames we're also sharing knowledge about how to do this and to make a new you know, it's a new vernacular. It's a new typology of of, of projects. Um, I really get excited by conversations with friends about what they're doing that's innovating, and you know, um, capturing and furthering that conversation. Um, we're we're a cultural discipline. We're not engineers. It it's just the reality. The art of architecture is in us being cultural practitioners. Um, we then look at a crisis, which has a, um, a, a solution that's sort of technology and materials, but And what do architects then do by way of translating that into beautiful, useful homes through space and material? This is like the, that's why now is such a wonderful time to be establishing a small practice or to be running a small practice, um, because the answers are unknown, but we're also starting to turn the tide on something that's trying to put out the flames. We're actually trying to put out the flames of this crisis in a really thoughtful, diligent, critically interesting way. And the conversation is no longer about whether you're going to work with low energy principles um, or low carbon principles. And they've got, you know, it's about how you're going to do that, but also bring in the, the joy and the all of the positives that architecture should bring to people's lives as well it's kind of interesting to be a small practice in that context
0: yeah absolutely well thinking about people that are maybe working at large practices or have dreamed of 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 having their own and are um have as much um uh, i suppose confidence and and excitement of, of going for it like can you think of I don't know put you on the spot here a little bit ben but can you give us sort of maybe your top three sort of bullet points for what architects wanting to take the leap should think about or a bit of advice that they should uh, take home from this chat
1: oh goodness um well for starters this will probably be the end the time i've said it but <laughs> you you must be um kind and generous It's just the kind of baseline and it's not, it's not sort of done enough or it's, it's changing, but once upon a time, it sort of wasn't done enough and it's not good enough anymore to sort of be the, the top down, this is the word of the Lord, banks be to me, architect anymore. We've got to open these before we open these. So that's kind of like the, the baseline. Then in terms of your, your question was, I think about like that moment, that sort of, I might do it, you know, look at your... People like helping and look at those around you that, um, that that want to kind of share in their experience with you because for me, having mentors, um, having people who've done it, it's absolutely invaluable. I regularly pick up the phone to a friend of mine who practices in Liverpool and they taught me for a while and then I actually practiced with them for a little while in Liverpool. And I helped them set up their studio. So that was quite a rich experience as well. But I think of the telephone and I know that no matter if I haven't called for a couple of years, um, that person is going to be really understanding and sort of want to be generous. And then it's like a kind of pass it on thing. I then know how beneficial that was to me. So I, whenever someone rings, with the, it happened last week. Someone said, um, i am A, I might lose my job. Um, but B, um, I'm, I'm actually ready to go anyway. Mm. And then you pass on that career. So yeah. Um, but the third thing is also understand the value of what we do, not just in that sort of self-indulging way of talking about design in isolation. Design covers um, many, many things. And we are not very good at talking um, outside of our profession in a way that people understand it's a different way of discussing the things that we do i think it's it's all relevant it's not making up another story it's just about talking to clients about the value of what we do on their terms and they want you to guide them they want you to um a lot of clients want you to hold their hand and feel like they're going to be um looked after and some clients aren't interested in that they just want the old school kind of bring me the, and that's great but Spot, like I said at the beginning, open these instead of opening this at the beginning and sort of sense the value of this episode for your clients and try and understand them. Um, We always start by looking and listening really carefully, um, rather than just introducing who we are and what we do, um, because we can be tailored to many, many different briefs and different episodes. We're nimble, like we've said. Um, it's it's more about making sure that we understand exactly what it is that people are looking to get. Maybe that goes some way towards what you were saying. No, no, I no that's
0: really helpful, I'm sure. And apart from mentors, um, are there any publications or uh, online or offline that, that you maybe were reading back then or places you would go um, to, for information as an architect today or, or when you're starting your own practice? What, what do you read? Where do you get inspiration? Where do, where do you think they should go? Well,
1: herein, I'll probably show my sort of Luddite tendencies, I guess, (sighs) because I'm not an avid reader about much other than, um, you know, architectural discourse in the sort of cultural sense. And that I find um, really energizing because I need the energy. Everybody everybody needs their version of vitamins to kind of sustain themselves. So whether it's 10 minutes or two hours, um, reading um architectural literature that has been published by practitioners or critical thinkers is, is kind of essential for me um but also i on the advice of a person that i met host establishing my studio who is also a sole practitioner um startup however you wish to to discuss this they started a little bit for me i've been talking to them and we've met a couple of times and they recommended a couple of books, which are non-architectural, but they're about the principle of um, practicing in the creative industries, perhaps, but practicing on in in a in a well way, in a considered way that looks after yourself. And that this was really essential. Some of the some of the literature that's available there, and a lot of it, you kind of have to grit your teeth and sort of squint your eyes at on moments because. It, Tends towards, um, I don't know, certain kind of, um, isms and things, but, and it becomes in some respects. Yeah. I get bit fun that actually the takeaways are really crucial. And this is about, um, really good skills. Like the, the, the really useful, no. So understanding when it's more beneficial for you and for the client, perhaps a client to say, no, I don't have time or we're not aligned in our values there will be other practitioners who you're going to have a much more successful episode with. Um, the the idea of saying no because you have a particular, um, you know, it, it can be as simple as knowing that you have a summer with your child coming up and you tailor your work so that you're not crushing um, yourself for that, that time and you get that quality time with your family and you come back in September totally energized and you've, You've kept the two or three projects, um, the right amount for the summer. That means they get your absolute best. They get your absolute best, no compromise. And then you come back and you can take on a couple more in September, perhaps. I mean, they still get your absolute best. There's a thing that's really important, which is the, um, the, the, the productive no, so to speak. And I would that probably falls into the category about your previous question mm-hmm. as well
0: can um, you remember the publications or I can grab them a-, a few afterwards that helped you get to that productive note?
1: Yeah, I can. Um <laughs> Yes, I w- I will share it with you. Perfect.
0: Thanks. And and talking about sharing, um, how can people get in touch with you, Ben? Um, what's the best way of um you know, knocking on your door?
1: Well, I'll I'll be brutal about it. Um knock on the door. I I I hope that this comes across as being um approachable and interested in other people um you know so you know i'm on mayor street you can knock on the door but the also you know i i enjoy a um a gentle relationship with social media i suppose um through instagram um i'm sure you can share that somehow and then i'm very happy to um to start a conversation but um yeah my 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 website carries all of my contact details, and that's not just for clients. It's for establishing. I, I I would suggest that I've um I've covered this. You know, starting conversations with friends and peers and colleagues, and um this is kind of why I'm in it anyway. So that's that's something I would welcome. but Yeah.
0: Well, thanks, Ben. Cheers for all. You knocked on my door. Yeah, in that I right. have. You know, you know <laughs> that
1: this. You know, this mean is fine. cup of
0: tea. Yeah. <laughs> um thanks ben cheers for all your actionable points there and also your answers and discussion today has been really useful and and thought-provoking
1: i hope so um it's lovely to say hello lynn
0: thanks ben cheers for your time and that's a wrap on this episode of architects of ambition i'm lyndon dover thanking you for joining us on this podcast proudly presented by weaver where connections are more than just blueprints they're the building blocks of reality until next time Stay ambitious and keep designing those dreams.